0: Monsters is a podcast about the worst human beings on the planet. The episodes of this podcast deal with murder, dismemberment, torture, rape, child abuse, and mental illness. Please turn back while you still can. Listener discretion advised. On July 10th, 2019, Michael Jones Jr. killed his wife, Casey Jones, with a baseball bat. He claimed that the pressures of their relationship became too much. Approximately one month later, he strangled the two boys that Casey had with her previous husband. They were 10-year-old Cameron Bowers and 5-year-old Preston Bowers. Two weeks later, he drowned the two daughters he had with Casey, 2-year-old Mercalli Jones and 1-year-old Ayanna Jones. He kept all of the bodies in the house for a few weeks before putting them in his van and keeping them there for another two weeks. This is Monsters.
1: Come back and
2: find out that he's deceased. Tapping me on the head, telling me I'm cheating, telling me, I'm, you know, let me see your phone. You just
3: kill her, and she died. I think Diego Campioni is totally in the wrong, and I hope he burns in hell for all his sins.
2: Hell's not a very fun place.
3: I only have two
2: hands. I'm not four hands, girl. I'm two hands. I don't know, it's just get escalated,
0: escalated. <laughs> When a child's death is caused by murder, one or both of their own parents is the most likely suspect. Unlike most other crimes though, studies have shown that both mothers and fathers are pretty equally responsible for filicide murders. I wasn't able to find a consistent statistic of whether mothers or fathers were more likely to kill their children. Some statistics said they were close to 50-50, some said the father was more likely to be the killer, where others said the mother was more likely. I've decided to go with the information compiled by the Federal Bureau of Investigation's study of recorded filicides over the course of 32 years. They state that, for the overall killing of their own children under the age of 18, males committed 57% and females committed 43%. So, fathers commit more filicide, but it's not a huge spread. Also, the numbers are broken down into finer detail. The rest of these statistics all seem to be fairly consistent throughout the various sources. Again, I'm going with the FBI's study, which says that 51% of females kill children under one year old, which they also say consists of 40% of filicides. They state that males commit 56% of murders of children ages 1 through 17. Statistics also show that a mother is more likely to kill a daughter, while a father is more likely to kill a son. The National Institute of Health reported that fathers are almost twice as likely to commit suicide after filicide. Also, as is true in this episode's story, fathers are more likely to kill their spouses along with the children. This story is eerily similar to Timothy Jones Jr., the subject of our first episode. Outside of the fact that they're both a Jones Jr., they both killed their own kids put them in their vehicle for extended periods of time, and wound up driving around in the stinking vehicles. It's been very interesting writing about both of these cases. When police responded to a single vehicle crash in Brantley County, Georgia, they immediately recognized the smell of death. When they talked to Jones, he said, Go ahead and arrest me. My wife's body is in the back. In the back of his minivan was the body of Casey Jones, who he had killed with a baseball bat over a month earlier. After being taken into custody, he led police officers to a wooded area where he had dumped four other bodies, the two sons that Casey had had with her previous husband and the two daughters Casey and Jones had had together. Michael Jones Jr. was going through a divorce when he met Casey Bowers, who was also going through a divorce. Jones had three sons with his first wife, Sarah, and Casey had two sons with her first husband. After a few years of dating, the couple married and within the first two years, they had two children of their own, two-year-old Mercalli Jones and one-year-old Ayana Jones. He talks about his relationships with both women in his initial interrogation video. Unfortunately, the interrogations that have been released are heavily redacted. This is him discussing his marriage.
2: Can you kind of walk us through, step by step, what's going on, what happened? We got a missing person report yesterday, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. So, um. Is that thing bothering you in your face right there? No. Okay. Everything. But it's fine. Um. We're going to begin. How long have you guys been married? Um. We've been married going on two years. Two years. Been together almost. just over four. Almost five years. Been rocky, up and down. You know, we didn't meet in best circumstances. We both worked at a, a veterinary clinic. Um, going through a divorce at the time. I Was previously married. You um, were, you or her. I was going through, and she was as well. Um, so we met, talked. Um, I have kids from previous marriage. My wife, uh, ex-wife, rather. Who's that? Took Sarah. Okay. Took them to um, Vermont, um, and so off and on I'd I'd go up there and see him or whatever, and that was always a issue in our relationship. We'd break up when you know wouldn't see each other, and about wow. going on three years now. It was the last time I was in Vermont by myself, seeing my kids. Um, Your kids were there. How many kids do you have
0: with her? Three. Three. Throughout Michael and Casey's relationship, his first wife, Sarah, and his three sons were living in Vermont. He would occasionally travel there to visit, but he said it was always an issue in their relationship. It sounds like the sad fact is that Casey was an easily jealous woman and thought he was going to visit to mess around with his ex-wife, even though he had children there. Then they find out that Sarah and the boys were planning to move back down to Florida. Um,
2: fast forward, you know, we find out that, uh, they're going to possibly move down here from Vermont, Um, and I kind of started putting strain with my ex or with my wife and my ex-wife, um, work. You know, I'd work every day. I'd come home. What do you do for work? Uh, I was construction for a while, a couple of years nice. down in Leesburg. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd come home and, you know, be at home, you know, next day work, do the same thing over and over, you know, no issues. She started accusing me of, you know, cheating on her or, you know, just constant berating of, you know, negativity from her, um. I don't know it was just get escalated escalated one day uh, she stayed at the shop at my job I had a couple jobs to go out to um, and she just wouldn't stop calling the phone I'm in there you know putting cabinets in the kitchen and you know the phone won't stop ringing so I hung up turned off the phone that made it worse Um, that evening it was just Awful. I Tried to lay in bed. She, you know, decided that she would, uh, she didn't want to lay in bed with me. So, so I'll take the chair. So, musical chairs. Go to the chair, or I go to the floor, or go to the bed, just to get away from her. She was in my face, constantly. To the point where it was literally, she had her phone flashlight like in my face, tapping me on the head, telling me I'm cheating, telling me I'm you know, let me see your phone, and at that point, it's like, you can have the phone, but you, know, you need to get out of here, and so one thing led to another as far as arguing. Um, got in each other's face. Screaming match. Um, kept telling her, like, you gotta leave, like, and then um, she actually reached, like, we have a recliner in the, in the living room, reached and grabbed after the bat, um, and kind of, you
0: know, hit me, you know, broadside me or whatever. Once his ex-wife moved back to Florida, he said that Casey became even more jealous and was constantly accusing him of cheating. He said that at one point, she was calling and texting him while he was at work. A detective during a second interrogation says he talked to that boss who confirmed that.
2: I had a, a job with a guy who made cabinets and the company fell through. That was a year ago though, right? No, no, or, no. no. this was um, just a few months ago um, that I started there. What was his name? I think I talked to him too. He said that you were getting phone calls all day long and text messages all day long from Casey and... Oh, that would be Phil, probably. Yeah, yeah. I worked for him
0: for a couple years. He mentions that he's sitting in a recliner and that Casey reached by the recliner and grabbed a bat. At this point, the audio is redacted because they can't release anything that would be considered a confession. He says, quote, The strain of it all, I guess it just caught up with me. It was just building up, building up, building up. Before I knew it, it was too much, end quote. He tells investigators that Casey started using a child's aluminum bat to push him. From what I understand, she has one hand on the handle and the other hand on top of the bat, and she's pushing him with the broad side of the bat. He took the bat away from her and repeatedly hit her on the head until she was dead. This all happened while the children were asleep. After he killed Casey, he put her body in a plastic tote and hid it in a closet. He then cleaned up the blood as best he could before the children woke up. At this point, the children end up going back and forth, staying with family members since it's their summer break from school. So
2: then it's summer, so the boys, um, her boys end up going with her father for a couple weeks. So I have the girls, me and the girls. When did you take the boys to to dad? No, they came back. Before the tw- the weekend, before the 22nd. Okay. And they were gone for about 10 days. So maybe the the 12th of August. So. Okay, that's when they went to dad's on the 12th. So a day or two after this happens.
0: On July 27th, Cameron and Preston went to stay with their biological father, Richard Bowers. The following Thursday, Michael used Casey's phone to text her mother, Nikki Jones, to ask if she would watch the girls for a couple of weeks. What grandmother is going to say no to that? So, Mercalli and Ayana go visit with their grandmother. Cameron and Preston return from their visit with their father on August 10th.
2: Yeah, school's, you know, approaching. Boys come back. How do the boys end up back there, dude? I mean, obviously dad would normally call, text, how would that happen? Um, it was previously, uh, with the drop-off, it was determined what time, you know, what, um... What day? Uh, time frame was up in the air, so he texts and uh, I went and picked him up. Okay. Uh, so he texts you or text her Ooh. or what's you guys' relationship like uh, as far yeah. as with him? Uh, we haven't talked much. Um, not really any relationship there. Yeah. Okay. okay. So no. the, it's really not. no communication? Yeah. Okay. So just, uh, I got the boys, I'll be, where do you guys meet? Um, at the, um, uh, Lake Square Mall, Leesburg Mall. Okay. Where does, where does, uh, their dad live? Uh, here in Georgia somewhere. Okay. Yeah. He did live in Florida for a while. He moved there, moved here a couple years ago. Okay. And, uh, they've been going back and forth as far as custody goes and. When he can have them, or if he can't, and he just kind of fell off the face of the earth and came back into the picture. Really. Um, so you get them back about the end of August. Yeah. And I know school's starting. Just are we talking about the beginning of August? Because I think all, I think school starts like August 12th or something like that, if I remember correctly. I guess the 11th or Yeah, yeah, School starts around then. That was like the 10th. Okay. Um, So they're with Dad for about a little less than a month, right? Yeah. I think they were there for, like I said, I think 10 days or two weeks. Okay. Does he text her phone? Does he text your phone? How does that work? Um... I believe at first uh, he texted uh, her phone. Okay. I think we communicated the second time through my phone. Okay. It may have been through her phone. Um, and obviously at that point you got to keep up some sort of ruse that, right. that you're her, right? Right. Okay. So what happens then? You go and get the boys? You go out to Lake City and get the boys? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, met back up at um, the mall in Leesburg. Okay. okay. His parents live.
0: Somewhere in Florida. Okay. After this, the interrogation is redacted, but he says that about a week after the boys returned from their fathers, he kills them. The report from the interrogation says, The defendant stated that sometime before school was about to start, he went into his stepson's room and pulled Cameron off the bed onto the floor and began strangling him with his hands around the child's neck. He stated he put his knee onto the chest of the child as well to keep him from being able to breathe. He advised when he went into the room his intention was to kill him. He stated, quote, everything was on him, end quote. While he was killing Cameron, Preston was sleeping in the bed right next door. He then placed Cameron's body in a suitcase. The report continues. The next night, he stated he decided he was going to kill Preston. He stated his hands were sore and hurt from the struggle with strangling Cameron, and it, quote, popped into his head, end quote, that he had zip ties in the house. He stated he grabbed a zip tie and went into the room and grabbed Preston off the bed and put the zip tie around his neck and pulled it tight. He then carried the boy into the bathroom, where he already had the water running in the tub, and proceeded to drown the boy in the running water. He did not have a stopper in the drain, so he shoved a rag in the drain to keep some water contained in the tub to help with the drowning. Once Preston died, he placed him in plastic garbage bags and left him in the bathroom initially, I have to pause here to mention how insane this confession must have been. From listening to the rest of the audio from both of his interrogations, he is completely calm as he talks about his entire situation. When the audio returns from a redacted segment, he's just as calm. He doesn't seem like he's been crying or was upset in any way. He just calmly described killing a woman and four children like it was another day at the office. What's truly shocking about this case is that Michael Jones Jr. had no criminal record. No previous complaints for child abuse or spousal abuse. Even his ex-wife said during an interview with KJAX News that he was a great father who never hurt anyone as far as she knew. She couldn't believe he could ever do something like this.
3: I told him, flat out, I said, I, I know what you think happened. I know based on this scenario what you think happened and Michael could never have done it. Um, and that is probably the stupidest thing I've ever said (laughs) Um, but I don't think anyone in his life ever ever would have thought that he could do this horrific thing he despite everything he did to me in our marriage as far as the way that he ended it never have I thought he was not a great dad he's always been a great dad and it—it it wasn't until it was confirmed that they had been found that I that I had to accept it. And it's been a really hard process of trying to let that absorb because I still can't—I still can't believe it. I still—I like, don't understand how he could have done that. Um. yeah, I don't, um, it doesn't make sense at all how how anybody could, you know, like I've read other cases. But I know him and that's not, that's not him. So you never thought he was capable of something like this? Never, never, never. He never hurt me physically. He never hurt the kids. He's he's never laid a hand on anybody as far as I know.
0: At one point in the interrogation, he described a time when he called the cops on his mother in law for slapping her granddaughter. It sounds like the child she slapped was one of his sister in law's kids, not one of his own.
2: What's you guys' relationship like? I mean, is it is this an ongoing thing where you guys are at each other like this, like fighting or Um it just got worse, like you know, little things all the time with her. She would come at me and uh we you know, we'd argue and, you know, never really got physical. Um we had thirteen people living with us in Leesburg. Really? Nikki my mother in law, my sister in law and my sister in law six kids with our four. And it was pretty tumultuous. I mean, it was, it was rough. Um, to where we had to call the police on, on Nikki, actually. And she slapped
0: her granddaughter
2: across the face. And just,
0: things got out of hand. On August 14th, Nikki Jones said that Michael picked up his daughters from her house. It's not clear what he told the children about why their mother and the two boys were not around. He could have easily told the girls that Cameron and Preston were with their father, but how did he explain their mother's absence? How did he explain her absence to the boys before he killed them? A week and a half after he picked up his daughters from their grandmother's house, the property owner of the house Jones was renting began the eviction process. He still has three dead bodies in his house, which are probably creating a pretty foul smell. He's also using Casey's phone to pretend to be there through text messages and Facebook. Do does.
2: Nikki and her sisters and everybody start calling. What what's going on with the phone? I know she's got a phone, right? Yeah, she has her phone. Support? So I had a I had her phone for a while and I um you know, I would I would text and pretend to be Casey and what's Casey's phone number? Um three five two three six zero eight one four zero. Okay. And what uh, do you know what provider that is? Yeah, um it's Sprint. Okay. What's your cell phone number? Or what was your cell phone number until uh, recently? Three five two five three zero nine seven three zero. Okay. And so you're you're pretending this whole time to be Casey on obviously on Facebook too because you got some like collages that you made or something on Facebook and yeah. posted okay. them and also Sprint for your. Yeah, same. It's another same. So then you're answering text messages back and forth, and
0: yeah. So on August 28th, five days into the eviction process, Jones put his daughters in the van and drove to City Hall in Bellevue, Florida. He sat in the parking lot trying to build up the courage to turn himself in. This is what the police report says. He described looking over at the police department nearby, trying to get up the nerve to go turn himself in, or hoping someone would arrest him. At some point, he decided to break Casey's phone, which he still had in his possession, and he threw it in a dumpster across the street from Bellevue City Hall. He stated he drove around for a while, then went home and decided to kill the girls. He advised he filled the bathtub and picked up Mercalli, carried her into the bathroom, and held her underwater until she was dead. He then repeated the process for Ayana. He placed both girls into a plastic tote bin together. He just decided to kill his daughters. Once the girls are gone, he goes to stay with his ex-wife and three sons in Jacksonville. There was a hurricane coming, and since they were new to the area, they were pretty scared. Jones said that Sarah had a boyfriend, but he was still back in Vermont, so they were afraid to be alone during the hurricane.
2: So you're staying with Sarah? Is is Sarah asking about the babies, and what's going on or Um, No, I mean, I I would keep the kids, and she would, um, you know, go to work, and uh, on the weekends, uh, do Uber and stuff like that, and so there wasn't much conversation about it, you know, here and there, but, you know, I would tell her that, you know, Casey and I are separated, and, and she's with her mom right now. So you kind of just covered Me that first. Yeah. And did she think much of it? Was she excited that you were back? Are you guys dating again? Or no, no, no dating. She has a boyfriend of a couple of years, and he's up in Vermont. Nothing. Okay. So you guys, you're just kind of crashing there, and yeah. spending the time with the kids. Yeah. Okay. And well, I was there for the the hurricane, for that week. You know, just thought, hey, he's coming come and stay with us. You're in a trailer, and, and, you know, I told her that the girls were with their mother. And, you know, she said, Well, come stay with us because, you know, they're freaked out. They just moved down here a few months ago. So, okay. Sure. Nothing happened to the hurricane, obviously, but I still stayed there. Um, and her boyfriend was there at that time? Uh, no. No. He's okay, you just he's with the he lives okay. in Vermont. Um, but, uh. So you got pretty much, she's, she's under the impression that. Casey is with staying with mom, and the kids are all healthy and everything's good.
0: Some people believed that Sarah must have known about what her ex-husband did, but she said he seemed completely normal. And judging from his behavior during his interrogations, I believe her. He shows absolutely no emotion toward the murder of his wife, his two daughters, and her two sons. During the Labor Day weekend, Jones went back to his home and transferred all of the bodies into his van. He then traveled back to Jacksonville and continued staying with Sarah. This must have happened just a day before the property owner sent someone in there to clean. The owner said that there was an odd smell inside the home, and there was still furniture and personal items. On September 1st, they started removing the belongings and cleaning the property. On September 14th, Casey's mother, Nikki, called the Marion County Sheriff's Office to request a welfare check for her daughter. When police arrived at the home, they had the property owner on speakerphone while they went inside. The house was empty and it had been cleaned. One officer says that when they, quote, broke the seal, end quote, on the front door, they could smell it, meaning the unmistakable smell of decomposition. They also noticed fans running in one room. Yeah, one of my
1: guys left the floor. I'm not sure which one. Okay. So you you didn't, like, hire a crew to come do it, just one of your guys that normally work for you? Correct. Okay. That's all I needed to know. When
2: we broke that seal, I could smell it. Yeah.
1: Do you know what it's your guy used to clean up? Running? Did you, did you did the guy that you had clean up did he tell you he put some fans in all the rooms and have like little fans running Yeah because it's snow okay do you know what he used to clean up with did he tell you
0: no you don't know okay the following day police started calling Sarah Jones inquiring about Michael. she said she was woken up early in the morning with a missed call from police
3: and I woke up about four to a missed call, a uh, voicemail from the Marion County Sheriff's Office um, that just said, call me back. Um, and obviously, it was strange. Um, and there's a history in our past from the end of our marriage where the police were involved, and so alarm bells were there. Um, but again, he'd been normal. He'd been playing hide and seek with the kids um, all day and at the pool. Um, And so I woke him up at 4 a.m. asking what the deal was, why, why are they calling me? Um, And he said he didn't know, it might have to do with the trailer. Um, He said that when he'd gone back the last time there was something wrong with the trailer, he couldn't live there anymore, Um, it was on a bad foundation, he he said he was pissed off at his landlord, he was going to take him to court, all this stuff. Um, And so he said that's probably what it was, and we'd call back in the morning. So first thing in the morning when we got up, I called the detective. um, And that's when I discovered that, that Casey and the kids were missing.
0: Even after finding out that Casey was missing, she said she wasn't concerned, because Casey had a history of taking off and disappearing for a while to get away from people. Maybe this is why the children didn't question her absence. According to Joan's interrogation, he did tell Sarah to say she had seen Casey and all of the kids, which she did.
2: She woke me up early morning and asked me what was up with, you know, was there any reason why Brandon County would be, you know, looking for you. And then I just tried to spin stuff, spin stuff, and finally I said, you know what, let me just get on the road, so. Did you talk to, did you tell her what the heck was going on? No. She told us that uh, when you talked to me, or when she talked to me this morning, you were still there. Is that true? When when she spoke to you on the phone? yeah, I was there. What was going on? Just trying to figure it out. <laughs> you were trying to figure out what I had going on, and yeah, okay. Did she talk to you? Did you tell her what to say to me, or uh, no? I I um at one point. She thought it was looking for just me, and so I said, you know, if you've seen me or whatever, you've seen Casey, you've seen everybody, you know. So, yeah, I guess I did tell. Okay, so basically, after that phone call, how long after that phone call do you leave? Um, I don't think I left out of uh, Jacksonville until, like, 3. Okay. Yeah. So you were there for a while. When, after I called her the first time, I mean... Did you did you ever tell her exactly what was going on or you just kind of I gotta get out of here? Yeah, I just them, I gotta get out of here. Did you get out of there after I called the second time? Um Around that time, yeah, we said she'd come back. She left the have to come back. And uh we talked about, um, you know, she said, well, you know, why'd you have me tell them this? And, you know, they're calling me back. And I said, Well, you know, let me uh let me try and go deal with it,
0: so... He said that he didn't leave after the first call from police. When authorities called again, she got upset that he had her lie, and at this point he told her he would go back down to Marion County to deal with it. But he didn't head south. He headed north into Georgia.
2: What do you think was going to happen today after you left? What was the plan? Um... The only thing really I hadn't planned was just to get out of Florida for now, or across the border here and set a rest stop and, you know, try and think. <laughs> like to say that, you know, I sit here and kill myself, but, you know, that would, that's not it, you know, just running. So when I, whenever I got that, whenever that second call came in it was, you know it was probably time to get going. Yeah. And you left and didn't really have a plan because obviously you weren't planning for detectives to start calling you. Did you see any information about them missing or anything? Um, no, I didn't see anything. She told me that um, there was some stuff on Facebook. Sarah did? Yeah, Sarah did. Yeah. Does, she, does Sarah, does she communicate with Casey's family? Um, no. No, no. So it, it would have had to been something that we posted or something like that? Yeah, well, I think it was something that was reposted. Okay. Through family members. She's, she's uh, Facebook friends with my mother and stuff. Okay. I assume Did you call your mom home. at any point and tell her what the heck was going on as far as? No, my relationship with my mother has been rocky for a long time. Okay. I try to keep it, you know, together as much as possible, but I, I message her, you know, a couple times a week. But other than that, I haven't actually spoke to my mother in a long time. Get up here into Georgia. What? Maybe is is there any family, any friends, anybody that's this way? That, no. now you're just driving. You got money to to go anywhere? No. It's I had you know forty bucks when I left, and so I figured I put some money in the tank and drove, and I could get across the border, like I said, into Georgia, and sort of rest up and
0: think, you know, before people came after me. Yeah. His goal was to head into Georgia and stop at a rest area to think about what he was going to do next. He claims to have had $40 on him and no plan. He ultimately decided to dump the bodies and found a wooded area where he dumped the bodies of the four children. He then started driving out of the woods and said he was messing with the GPS, which caused him to swerve off the road and crash.
1: Tell me about this. This is another question I had. How did you wreck the van? What happened there? Uh,
2: like I said, after I got out of the woods driving or whatever, the GPS was, like, rerouting me, and so I messed with the GPS, and it's a screen, and I'm looking this way, looking this way, and I swerved out the road once, and then kind of like, okay, pay attention. I swerved again, and it just, that was it. It just kept going down. And I slammed into that, and that was it. What happened then? Um... I got out, trying to collect myself and figure out, you know, were you, up. Hmm? were you injured? Um, no. Anyway, ankle a little bit. And other than that, no, I had a seatbelt on. Um, you got of see up I here. Had, Is that, you got I a little, think so, yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen myself, but I yeah. yeah. said so, so I had some.
0: seatbelt, yeah.
2: But I, um, I wonder what that was. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, the powder or whatever it was in my eye it was burning a little bit, so I got out and found something to wet my face. and you know People were driving by, and I was telling them, All right. And I knew that my phone would at least uh, call 911, so I called 911. I didn't know where I was. I saw two different road signs. I said, I'm in between here. How'd you call 911 with your phone? i guess get an emergency. Yeah, right. Yes, 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 911, yeah. yes. So you call 911 and you wait for the troopers to show up? Mm
0: -hmm. They talk about him calling 911 with his phone since it's an emergency. He says at another point in the interrogation that his cell phone had been turned off a few days prior due to non-payment. When the police arrive, he confessed to having his wife's body in the van and is placed under arrest. The Marion County Sheriff's Office gave a press conference.
1: Um, First of all thank you for everybody being here. Uh, We're here because of the missing uh, mother along with her four children. Obviously most everyone here already knows that um, we have identified her um, because my detectives have tirelessly been working for the last 24 hours to find them. But unfortunately, true evil poked its head up here in Marion County. That's about the only best way to describe it. Um, Michael Jones was located in Brantley County, Georgia, following a traffic crash. That's where the mother's body was found in the vehicle. And then we have also pretty much found after interviews, after all the everything at the scene has led that we have finally uh, locate, located the remains of all four children. Um, It, as a father, as a parent, it breaks my heart. As a sheriff, it angers me to no end. Something to this degree, how a human being could even do this. What I can assure you is the hard work of my detectives of putting stuff together to ensure that this person returns to my jail and will serve justice will be served upon him. Now as far as I'm concerned as the sheriff of this county underneath the jail ain't good enough. He has no right to walk in the face of this earth. I hate to be him when he stands before the Lord. But unfortunately there's nothing I can do to bring those children back. And how someone could do this, I do not know. Nor will I even try to guess why someone would do such evil to a child. I'll open it up to questions. Where were the remains of the four children found? Right now we're not disclosing that. Um, I don't have the specifics personally. Um, I want everybody, before we get fully into these questions, which is a good one. It's a good question. I may not answer every one of your questions because what I'm going to assure is the integrity of this case is to its highest so that when we do go to trial on this individual, no one could poke holes into this case whatsoever. But they have been located and I don't have it exactly.
3: When we were there, we spoke with neighbors who uh, gave their opinion that they thought that this had maybe happened a month ago. Are you able to talk to timing of this when he may have uh, killed either his wife or these children?
1: It is unclear at this time, okay? Um, What we do know is, uh, based on family, uh, they've been missing for roughly about uh, four to six weeks. Uh, It was reported Saturday night, and obviously we located and and turned this over within a 24-hour period. Um, And... From there, um, the reporting, how long and all that, why, don't know.
0: The question of why was asked multiple times, and he really never gave an answer past, quote, things built up until I snapped, end quote. Michael Jones Jr. was immediately charged with second-degree murder for the death of Casey Jones. After the identities of the children had been confirmed and an autopsy was completed, he was charged with four counts of first-degree premeditated murder he is still being held in Marion County Jail awaiting trial. With his confession, it is most likely that he will plead guilty, but maybe his lawyers will convince him to try an insanity defense, which I can't see working. It being Florida, if he doesn't get the death penalty for this, he will definitely get life without parole. Thank you for listening to Monsters. For more stories of the worst people on the planet, you can visit our blog, at this is